As our communion services are frequently longer than our typical ones, uh, I will endeavor to be shorter this afternoon, but also if we have any remaining time uh, under 60 minutes, perhaps we can have a short discussion of what we will be considering this afternoon, which is the last point in our study of Isaiah 53, verse 5, which reads once again, but he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. This being a prophecy, boys and girls, more than 700 years before the Lord Jesus Christ was actually wounded and bruised before he was uh, stricken and whipped and nailed upon that Roman cross and bled for our sakes. And it was all fulfilled. It came to pass down to the very detail. We have in this prophecy a very great transaction. That is, the Lord Jesus Christ suffering and dying in the place of sinners. It was vicarious. That's a word that means he was a substitute. He stood in the place of those who had sinned. Jesus Christ died for our sins, according to the scriptures. He didn't die for himself. He didn't have any sins. But he died for others. We should have been wounded and bruised. We should have been the ones to endure the the judgment of God. And in that sense, it was most unfair. He was like a, a precious lamb without spot. But how heavenly that transaction was because he did it out of love. He was wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities because he loved us. And it has now come to pass in the end of the age and by this pain we have peace. By his pain we can have peace. Let us now consider last a most fruitful and far-reaching transaction. The chastisement of our peace was upon him so that we could be at peace. He suffered, and with his stripes we are healed. Consider how fruitful and far-reaching this was first, in that his suffering, his being wounded and stricken and bruised and hanging on that Roman cross, it was in order that we could be healed. 
by his stripes, that is to say, uh, the stripes on the back when the whip it comes crashing down and it causes the flesh to, to rise. And so perhaps you may have even seen one of the tragic aspects of the history of our country, slavery. Well, it was the case that sometimes slaves could be treated so very cruelly and we still have uh, photographs of the backs of some of those Negro slaves and the crisscrossing of of wounded flesh rising from the skin. Well, Jesus, he was wounded. He was bruised. He was beaten. He He was crushed. But there was a reason for it. It was so that we could be healed. So that our souls could be healed. That was why Jesus came. He came to a sin-sick world. Diseased not only in the body. That's secondary. Diseased in the mind. Diseased in the heart. But unto you that fear my name shall the Son of Righteousness arise with healing in his wings. That's a, a figure for the sun with the rays of light. Even now as we have the light streaming through the window from the sun and it brings light and, and happiness and, and joy and healing. Even so, Christ came to heal, to restore, to bind up that which was broken. The Lord, Psalm 147 He heals the wounded. He binds up their wounds. He is the great physician. He is the great doctor. He comes to do his cures. And above all, to begin with healing our hearts. Because friends, don't we see in the crucifixion of Jesus Christ the boundless love of God, but also the the dreadful sickness of humanity. How they could choose a murderer, Barabbas, instead of Jesus. How they could chant again and again, crucify him, crucify him. Pilate saying, why? What evil has he done? I find no fault in this man. Oh, we are so sick. We are so diseased in the heart, diseased with pride, with greed, with resentment, with jealousy. It's like gangrene that spreads in the soul with carnal anger, lust and unforgiveness and disrespect of authority. The absence of the fear of God. Oh, our hearts, our hearts. They're so diseased, but Christ came with the remedy. Oh, but it was a painful remedy, dear friends. You know, sometimes we we have sticker shock. 
when we go to the pharmacist, we find it's that expensive. There isn't there isn't generic. Well, it, it costs money, and the more valuable the elements, the more difficult they are to find, or the more involved the process, the higher the price. Well, dear friends, the only way for our hearts to be cured is for Jesus to die. For this Holy One to suffer and bleed and to be broken. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes we are healed. By his stripes we are healed. That we may love God and serve him. There's something transformative about the blood of Christ. We considered that not too long ago, didn't we? Listen how Peter puts it, 1 Peter 2.24, who his own self bear our sins in his own body on the tree, that we being dead to sins should live unto righteousness by whose stripes he were healed. And that's what Jesus' death does his wounds, his bruises, his stripes. It cures the heart. It cures us of our, our minds that are so opposite to God. It cures our minds. We who are sometime alienated and enemies in our minds by wicked works, yet now has he reconciled, listen, in the body of his flesh through death. It's not so very easy to change your mind, isn't it? You've got to be persuaded. But all the more, if we are not yet believers, we're, we're opposed to God, we're opposed to his law. But lo and behold, when Jesus breathes his last... There is a shockwave of transforming love and grace that finally reaches the shore of each and every sinner at the appointed time and changes our mind from our folly and our self-will and our, our disease of wrong thoughts. He was wounded for our transgressions and with his stripes we are healed. He heals as a consequence, the trouble of mind, the fears that enslave us, and he gives us in its place peace and confidence. We have peace by the blood of the cross. We can be at peace because God's at peace with us. And it doesn't matter what anyone else thinks. If God is for us, who can be against us? My accusing conscience. All I can say is that there is one who died for me. So let the accuser of the brethren be driven off. God has found a ransom. Oh, he loves, he loves to heal the soul, to restore it to beauty. 
remaking the image of God in the soul so that there are new desires, new longings, new aspirations, also new fears. No longer uh, do I even want to come close to sinful things. I'm done with those things. That's a healthy thing. That's a sign of health. You know what the gospel is sometimes called? It's called sound doctrine. Life-giving teaching. Healing teaching. Restoring teaching. And once the wounds and the bruises and the stripes of Christ, once and for all, when he died, once the the waves of that uh, transformative and changing grace reaches us, it heals us, it restores us, it makes us new. And it gives us that power to go and to bring that healing to others. Second, this most fruitful and far-reaching transaction of the Lord Jesus Christ being wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities, it heals our soul in his gracious time, but then it also simultaneously heals the most fundamental broken relationship, and that is the relationship between God and man. Having made peace through the blood of his cross, by him to reconcile all things unto himself. You see, oftentimes, and some in our culture, we frequently are thinking of the brokenness that we experience, and, and there is an element in which we need to be restored from from brokenness, but really the great brokenness is the brokenness of our relationship with God. Not just that our minds are hostile to Him and we are consequently disordered and not at peace with God, with ourselves, with others. We're just a just a storm of conflict inside, and sometimes that lashes out in our marriages, in our relationships with our children and, and, and friends and other companions. But see, that it's all downstream from that first broken relationship. We were made to be in communion with God. And Jesus' death healed that relationship. God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them. You see, we can be at peace because God is at peace because of what Jesus did. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. Can two walk together except they be agreed? Well, they cannot. But God is healed, and it cost his son everything. Third, this healing, this restoration, it really begins with that relationship 
between God and the sinner through the suffering of Christ. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. At the moment of conversion, we are transformed and changed, and we are healed and restored in the innermost parts of our being. And even if, even if we continue to fight against remaining sin and we struggle, that's a sign of life. That's a sign of life. And that life has been brought into being by the cross, by the blood, by the resurrection. We are changed. We are transformed. We are restored. We are made well. But it also, third, has the power as a consequence to heal lesser relationships. Now, we see this in Ephesians chapter 2. How the apostle speaks to the Gentiles saying... Now in Christ Jesus, you who sometimes were far off are made nigh or near by the blood of Christ. You are far away. You are unwelcome. You are apart from the people of God. But now Christ is our peace. He has made both one. He has broken down the middle wall of partition between us having abolished in his flesh the enmity. He reconciles both of us to God in one body by the cross, having slain the enmity thereby, and came and preached peace to you which were afar off and to those who are near. God loves to heal relationships. Now the only way really to bring healing in relationships is for your soul to be healed. So if you try to improve yourself, if you try to pursue various, shall we say, social therapies, you try this, you try that, but if your heart is not new, it's going to be short-lived. It's not going to be deep and radical. It's going to be superficial. People are going to see through it. But the Lord brings about peace among all those who have received forgiveness and are restored and whose hearts are made new. They've been made soft and tender. We love because he first loved us. And love is this healing, transformative power. Isn't love True love, biblical love, not not the feelings that ebb and flow. Oh, I love her, I love her so very much with all my heart. Next year, what's her name? That's how it is in our culture. Talk is cheap. But real love, Christian love, that comes only from the greatest source of love that there ever was, One man giving his life for his friends. There's no greater love. 
And that death, that bruising, knowing that he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. How can I be selfish anymore? How can I insist on my rights anymore? How can I have such a short fuse anymore? How can I use, how can I misuse this woman for my own sordid purposes anymore? I can't. He put love in my heart. He touched my heart by his blood. He loved me and gave himself for me. He forgave me a world of sins. He's touched my heart. He's changed me. And that brings us into the universal Catholic Church where there is neither male nor female, where there is neither a bondservant or free, master, slave. Those distinctions, they don't mean really anything. We're all brothers and sisters. We've all been loved. And how can we not love each other? And how can we get caught up with lesser differences? How you talk and, or how you dress. Or how much money you earn or what car you do. None of that matters. You can be dirt poor and haven't had a bath in three months. But if you believe in Jesus Christ, I want you right next to me at the Lord's Supper. Because you're my brother. It's life-changing. And you know that it's true, Christian. You've seen in your lives, yes, there's sin, yes, there's brokenness. But when the love of God from the cross of Christ comes into a heart, it changes everything. It doesn't make sin go away instantaneously. And sometimes the struggle can be great. But love is a mighty strong force. It is as strong as death, says Solomon. If you have been healed, heal. If you have received the life-saving medicine from the blood and the bruise, don't hoard it. Give it to others. Apply it to their wound. If they won't let you talk to them yet, then love them until you can. Make them want to say, what is it about you, man, that makes you who you are? Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. But last, I want us to consider the most far-reaching effect of this being wounded, the Lord Jesus suffering and dying on the cross, that by his stripes we may be healed, is, in fact, the healing of the body. Now, This text has been very 
misunderstood and abused by some who call themselves Christians. As though what this verse means is that Christ purchased for us, in addition to our sins, perfect healing of our bodies in this life. And that if we're not enjoying that, somehow we're not really believing what the text has said. Well, that is not true. It's false and it's dangerous. So stay away from it. However, however, Jesus suffered to reverse our suffering. Jesus died to overcome our death. Now, he starts with the most important thing, which is our sin. That's first in order. You cannot cure a major disease without going to the source. You don't get fixated on the symptoms. And that's what the prosperity gospel does, among other things. It fixates us on the symptoms. And we lose sense of the major problem because you can be fit as a fiddle. You can say, I don't need you, doctor. I'll see you in 40 or 50 years. And yet your soul is sick and diseased. Better to be on a sickbed with all kinds of needles in your arms and tubes in your nose. And if you have a new heart by Jesus' blood, you're healthier than anyone else. And God has appointed sufferings for the people of God. We must, through many tribulations, enter the kingdom of God. Paul had a thorn in his flesh, and he prayed three times, and it might be removed. But the Lord said, my grace is sufficient for you. Yet, know this. By his stripes we are healed. It is final. It may not be fully realized in this life, though God may indeed answer our prayers for restoration of health and even as we use medicine and worthwhile means. But he has purchased our full healing if we are believers in Jesus. And we will get it one day. The Lord Jehovah, I am the Lord that healeth thee. This is a fundamental Christian conviction. As in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. Shall all be made alive. Jesus said, Whoso eateth my flesh and drinketh my blood. Now notice what he's alluding to here. He's alluding to his suffering and death. I must suffer and die. And you must take that suffering and death inside of you as you consume food. And if you do that, you have eternal life and I will raise him up at the last day. It's as good as done. Though we must wait. We know 
that the Lord has purchased grace and glory. Thomas Manton speaks about the tree of life in the Old Testament, in the original as literally meaning tree of lives. He says both the lives, the life of holiness and the life of happiness, of grace and of glory. This is our confidence. And it is our confidence, and we know that it shall be, though we must wait, though we must suffer, though our bodies, unless Jesus comes, our bodies must lay in the grave and rest. But we know that by his stripes we are healed and shall fully be restored when our vile bodies shall be transformed and changed like unto his glorious body on that final day. He bought it. He purchased it. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. And we've read, didn't we, that blessed hope in Revelation 22 of that tree of life. The leaves are which, of which are given for the healing of the nations. And there shall be no more curse there. No more weeping. No more sighing. Because Christ died. And because he rose Again, he rose again. And if he lives, we live. If he rose, we shall rise in glory. If, if in the first case, we know that he died for our sins. We close When it comes to your sufferings, even your bodily sufferings, remember that Christ endured pain. He shares with you. He sympathizes. All the pain that you can ever experience, the suffering, the chronic troubles that never seem to go away, just remember he experienced it and he tasted it, and then he tasted death for every man. Pray, lay it before the Lord, and wait upon him. He is a good, he is a heavenly father who cares for his own. Like as a father pities his children, so the Lord pities those who fear him. And though... You must often wait, and we all have to wait in the end. He will collect every last tear of the child of God and put it into his bottle. And he will not forget you. He will not forget your body because your body was purchased by Christ 
and is united to Christ, even when it's resting in the grave, it is mystically united to Christ. And if the head rises, the body shall go with it. Believe this, Christian. You do not believe in a martyr. He died for you, but he did not stay dead. His wounds for our transgressions were satisfying. His bruises for our iniquities were well accepted by the Father. And we know this because there's an empty tomb in Jerusalem. So wait and pray. And don't despise doctors. They're not perfect. You don't have to trust everything that they say. And there's no ultimate salvation in a bottle or a pill. But don't despise the good things that God gives. And know that Christian sickness and death are no punishment from the Lord. They've been transformed by Jesus. I close with the words of Joseph Hart. This fountain unsealed stands open for all that long to be healed, the great and the small. Here's strength for the weakly that hither are led. Here's health for the sickly. Here's life for the dead. May God grant us full healing and restoration in our souls and in his time in our bodies. Please rise. Lord, please apply these things to our hearts. We humbly pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated.